before we get to today's episode, we have a quick message from our sponsor. This episode of the Glossy Podcast is sponsored by Stitch Labs, an operations management platform for modern brands. If you're a growing brand looking to streamline your operations, Stitch Labs is here to help. Brands like Brooklinen and Thinks are using Stitch to do some amazing things like opening up pop-up stores and setting up international warehouses successfully in incredible timelines. Learn more at stitchlabs.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-L-A-B-S, helping brands execute on big ideas quickly. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and on today's episode, I caught up with Michelle Cordero Grant, the founder and CEO of Lively at Shop Talk 2019 to discuss starting a company in a crowded market, developing a modern content strategy through social media, and where traditional retailers went wrong. Hope you enjoy the episode. So we are here at Shop Talk on site. Uh, tell me, what is the most interesting topic that you're following at this conference this year? Yeah, so first of all, Shop Talk is buzzing right now. I think there's over 8,500 uh, people ranging from startups to founders to investors, etc. And what is everyone talking about? Physical retail. Is retail dead? What's happening? And how is digital and physical coming together? Mm-hmm. So, so on the topic of physical retail, Lively was born online, but you have some pop-ups that you're testing. How have those been going uh, in terms of tracking customer interest in shopping in stores and in the spirit of future of retail? What do you think that says about where customers are going to be shopping, even the brands that they discover online? Sure. Yeah, I think we uh, we've been in beta on retail pretty much since we launched. Um, you know, we've had Soho and Dallas and Nashville, and those beta you know uh, experiences have ranged from four. 10 days to 14 days to now six months. And we've learned a lot. We've learned that it's really about bringing the idea of experiences in stores with the fundamentals of what retail should and in, in is, um, but not focusing on dollars per square foot, more so fo- focusing on the right KPIs that we're learning on digital and physical. Mm-hmm. And how has the one been going in New York? It's not fully permanent, but you're testing it as you go. Uh, How have you taken advantage of all the real estate in Soho and and what that's been like? Yeah, yeah. So we're on 242 Lafayette Street. Come and check us out. Um, But it's been beautiful. I think we found a really good home. Uh, We see that there's a lot of discovery happening in that location. So people are like, wait, I've seen Lively online and I happen to be in a taxi cruising by. I have to stop and check it out. Uh To now, this is the place where I've been wanting to come. I made an appointment. I have a fit appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to spend a half hour on bra care and self-care and walk out with nine pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really been a great way to bring both sides of new customers and nurturing retention all in one place. We also learned within this new space that we don't need a huge space. So we came from 2,700 square feet to 1,500 square mm-hmm. feet. And it's actually more efficient. We're doing more revenue because our store associates and our sales associates can cater to the clients in a more, um, no pun intended, intimate way. Right. <laughs> They're not spread so thin. Um, while also when we have our events, people are closer together. They're feeling more energy and so mm-hmm. forth. So as a digitally native brand, how do you move into offline retail in a way that is equally efficient, agile, you're able to do it 
with the startup mindset. It's, yeah. it's a different beast, obviously, than starting an e-commerce site. But sure. how do you sort of take that, that spirit and, and transition it into an offline strategy, especially now that we're seeing it so important? Yeah, I think it started with our intent of offline um, transparently. It started with a place to bring our ambassador community together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when we launched Lively, we had 100 ambassadors in 2016, 1,000 in 2017, and now we have 65,000 mm -hmm. as we start 2019. So it, be, it started as a, a goal to essentially have a clubhouse to bring these girls together and activate. And then as we did that, we kept hearing, but we want to buy the product, but we want to buy the product. Right. Um, so it was actually an output of that. Now, uh, you know, as we've gone in, into the space, I'm using what I learned from old school retailers mm -hmm. um, in terms of what are the right unit economics to decide how to move forward. And now we're opening Chicago and Dallas this year mm -hmm. based on what we've learned. So can you explain what exactly like a lively ambassador is? How, how does that program work? Yeah, sure. Um, it's what I like to say, a relationship with our community and our customer. It has to go both ways. So um, I think often when you have an ambassador community, the easier thing is to just let your ambassadors do the work for you. Mm -hmm. um, but for us at Lively, we do a lot of work for them. We spend the time to understand what it is um, that they're passionate about. So what it means to be a Lively ambassador is there's no paid transactions, but they're representatives of the brand. Mm -hmm. They believe in the ethos and the idea of inspiring women to live life passionately, purposefully, and confidently. And so what they do is they share that on social media, but they also share it within our physical events. I'll give you a couple examples. One of our ambassadors is really passionate about mental health awareness. So we had a mental health awareness fundraiser in our store around what her um, biggest objective and motivation right now is and how she's spending her, her side hustle. Mm -hmm. Another woman um, just wrote a book and so we launched her book in our store. Another woman is an artist um, around calligraphy and she did a DIY class on how to do calligraphy. So mm -hmm. it can range from you know a dancer that believes in body, body positivity doing a hip hop class um, to a Boss Babe entrepreneurship panel. Mm -hmm. How do you organize that many people and, and play to their strengths and activate like a customer event around yeah. those when there's so many? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that we're working on more and more because the community has grown faster than our team and our human capital. Uh, but it's a gift that we're putting a lot of bandwidth behind now. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that we do it is we stay really focused on them. So mm -hmm. luckily, my first investor was my manufacturer. And so supply chain isn't a distraction. We're really smart on our KPIs. They're very consistent. My point is, is that we've kept the other parts of the business so steady and so stable that we can invest in our community. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of sweat equity and hustle to know these women and really understand their stories and understand what ticks. The beautiful thing is now they're act activating on our behalf. Mm -hmm. So we no longer need to physically be in Dallas. We have two women that are activating on our behalf in Dallas. Mm -hmm. We have women in Nashville. We have women in Boston. So we've spent the time in those communities finding the women that we believe can champion our brand and our message and take it forward for us. Mm -hmm. And they're not like online sellers. No, is it's not. Right? Yeah, no. So it's not like a, a MLM. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's literally just women who are like-minded that share a passion for our brand and then they find commonalities from within that community. So there's moms, there's fitness girls, there's health and wellness women. Um, there's all sorts of like-mindedness, uh, and we're giving them ways for them to connect with one another. We even launched our own podcast, mm -hmm. you know, two weeks ago. Oh, that's right. So that they could hear the stories, they can connect, and we can also share their stories. So we have voice memos from our from our ambassadors included mm -hmm. in there mm -hmm. to pay it forward. Mm -hmm. So you have the, this ambassador program, you have clearly a content strategy. 
What does it all ladder up to say about Lively's strategy in terms of being a customer-facing brand, a customer-centric brand? Uh, like you said, how do you think about all these things at once as, as, as long as you're thinking about a retail you know, structure at the same time? Yeah. You no, know, I've always been inspired and my passion comes from the idea of brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes all the way back to the 90s when I got my first Ralph Lauren polo and I put it on and I felt something. And it wasn't the IP of the polo. It was what that, that symbol and that logo represented. And that always stuck with me. And I felt like you have to put the time and the discipline around building brand equity mm-hmm. and brand equity around how people feel when they see the word lively. When people see Victoria's Secret, they hear van, you know, angel fantasy push-up, right? Mm-hmm. It's very strong. It's very cohesive. It's a very disciplined brand. Our goal is when people see the word lively, they hear passionate, individuality mm-hmm. and confidence mm-hmm. and so we're spending the time to bridge that thread line and that's why we're spending so much time into community but also our products our products are our beautiful bras that women are no longer conforming their bodies into the product the broad the product is conforming to you mm-hmm. so while two women could be a 36 double d no two women who are 36 double d are exactly the same mm-hmm. right so the products should conform to that individuality as well as the community so i think it's spending the time to create that that ecosystem that speaks to both sides when you're a brand the product is just one facet of the brand experience mm. you have to put the time into all the other touch points with that community right. and that customer right so do you look at lively and and you know, the company that you're building and what customers are looking for out of a company like Lively as product first or brand first? Like what, what should be the, the, the first step in and then, and then what happens from there? It's, it's interesting. Sure. If you, if, if you visually saw a pillar of what our core values are, it first and foremost starts with community because our community actually built our brand, which is the second part of our our pillar, right? Mm. Um, And so with that brand, there's experiences that allow humans to understand what that brand means. And so product is one of them. Mm -hmm. Customer experience is another one. Physical retail is another one. Events is another. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about all of that coming together to build the brand and the brand to build back up to the community. Mm -hmm. And as you're like juggling all these different things at once and these, these priorities. Uh, how are you looking at what's happening in lingerie as a whole? It's, it's pretty competitive right now because I think everyone's seeing, you know, you had this leading industry player that is kind of falling out of favor. It's, yeah. they're, they're closing stores. It's Victoria's Secret, obviously. They're, they're leaving a void in the market. And then you have companies like Third Love and retailers like Target that, that are launching a new lingerie yeah. line. Looking at it and being like, we want this customer. How do you stand out? Sure. So first and foremost, the category is so vast. I mean, there's $13 billion in the United States alone. So um, I also think you couple that with the idea that there haven't been enough choices within the category to begin with. Mm. Um, So I I don't actually think of it as competitive. I think of it as natural. Mm. Like women should have more choices. There should be more conversations within this extremely vast category. Mm. Now, with that said, the way that we stand out is... I actually believe that this category has always been seen as a need category. Women only buy bras when they need them, Mm -hmm. but we buy shoes and dresses when we want them. Mm -hmm. So why is this category that's for women, that's literally the first layer we put on, that's literally something we wear every single day, 
not celebrated and not something that we want. Right. Um, and so that's what, something we're working to transition. We believe that women have two rows of bras in their drawers. Mm-hmm. The basic and boring, you wear them every single day, you'd be caught dead if someone saw you in it. <laughs> and the other row, which is like you're for your significant other to make you feel stylish and good, uncomfortable as hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so how do you bring those two together? Well, we say at Lively, it's where high style meets ultimate comfort. Uh-huh. Because you should feel good when you put that first layer on. And when you look in the mirror, you should feel like a superwoman. Right. And that's our differentiation. We have fun with it. We call it leisure. Um, we say that our bras are insi- inspired by the intersection of athleisure, swimwear, and lingerie all coming together to give you something that's comfortable, that conforms to you. And, and with that, 70% of the bras that we sell have no wires. Uh-huh. And so you're responding to what customers need and want and putting that into basically one product offering. How do you then package that and you know, get the brand out there, raise brand awareness. Um, I think where the competition comes in is the voices that are that are trying to crowd each other out online and, and rising above that noise. Yeah. Where do you position Lively in that conversation? Sure. Um, you know, the way that we like our, our brand to look, to feel, to come across is, is that best friend that we all have. The friend who you don't see every Friday night, you don't hang out with every day, but when, when it hits the fan, who's the first person that you call, right? Mm-hmm. So we're that reassuring community that's always there for you. Um, we're optimistic and we're not polarizing. So we're the sense of, of comfort and accessibility um, while bridging high style and ultimate comfort. So with all the noise that's out there, we're kind of the sense of calm and stability that's just always going to remain focused um, and really just support the community first and foremost. And it sounds like uh, we're, we're living on the sidelines, but I think we're living in a world of so much noise, so much up and down. So if we can be that place that holds stability and holds calm and is always delivering on a quality product with consistency and love, people will always come back to Lively. Mm-hmm. And how does that then translate into your marketing strategy? Like what, yeah. what channels are you using to communicate that sure. to customers, if yeah. they, especially if they've never heard of Lively before? Yeah, well, you know, at the top of the funnel, because we're digitally native, we were, you know, born on Instagram and we definitely participate in Google and Facebook, but we spend a lot of time on our organic channels, which is where the majority of our revenue comes from. Mm. So that includes obviously the word of mouth from our ambassador program, our email lists, um, all the things, right, that come along with the organic channels. Even uh, physical retail drives a lot of that for us. Um, But now we're at the place of diversification. So that's why we launched our own podcast, because podcast is becoming such an important channel of advertising. There's plenty of D2C brands whose penetration in advertising on podcasts is double digits already. And Mm -hmm. if you think about it, the country, only 97% of people have yet to listen to podcasts. 3% actually do. So that's a vast opportunity. So when we think about how to market it, we're always looking at where our community and our customers are going next um, and currently living and saturating within those places. We'll be right back. If you're a growing brand, you've probably heard that an ERP is the next step in your operations. But in this fast-changing world of e-commerce, you can't afford to lose the agility, speed, and innovation that got you to where you are today. That's why today's fastest growing brands are using Stitch Labs as their operations management platform to streamline complex operations without losing flexibility and speed. Whether you're looking to open up a pop-up store, run effective pre-order campaigns, or expand internationally, Stitch Labs is here to help you execute on every crazy big idea quickly and at scale. Visit stitchlabs.com to learn more. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-L-A-B-S.com, helping brands turn their operations into their biggest advantage. Hey, Glossy listeners. My name is Danny Parisi, fashion reporter here at Glossy, and I am back to talk to you about episode two of our mini series, Glossy Trend Watch Streetwear Edition. 
For this episode, we are joined by industry veteran Will Whitney as he discusses his experience as one of the founders of legendary streetwear brand Nome de Guerre and the evolution of the sneaker retail industry. You can catch every episode of Glossy Trend Watch right here in the Glossy podcast feed. To stay up to date with the latest podcast from Glossy, be sure to subscribe and leave us any feedback you have. Now, back to the episode. And I think, you know, your point on direct connections is so important because when you think about sort of rising above the noise, there's no better way to do that than to establish that that direct relationship with the customer through an email list or this this ambassador program or the community. Because it seems like a lot of digital digitally named brands that launch on Facebook and Instagram, it's you're still being disintermediated by the platform. Of course. So where do you... How do you sort of plan your content strategy then when it comes to what should live on Instagram, what goes into the emails, how you talk to people depending on where they are yeah. in terms of the relationship with Lively? Yeah. I think that's one of the unique factors that we have. So if you think about the community built the brand, right? When we launched, those women had hashtags and comments and so forth. All that became our email. Um, and then if you think about now the content going forward, well, we have all of these brand ambassadors who literally send us hundreds of pieces of user-generated content a week. Now that becomes our content strategy. Mm -hmm. um, so it's this beautiful circle mm -hmm. that's supporting every facet of the business. But yeah, we use that content on ads. What we say with that ad is a little bit more different is a little different, right, than what we would say on our organic channel. On our organic channel, we can go deeper into the brand and the soul and the conversation, but at the top of the funnel with those ads, we have to talk a little bit more about, first and foremost, who we are and why we exist. Mm -hmm. um, so while the images may remain constant, the words and the treatment of those images are different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, what do you say the comments you're using that for informing your email like what your customers want to talk about how or, does that work no like literally the con uh, uh, content <laughs> in the email so we will pull quotes from what they say we will spotlight one of our ambassadors and say hey check out what ashley from inspired eye is wearing and how she's styling mm -hmm. understand why these comments had five stars and leverage it i think just literally our job as marketers is propelling what our customers are loving and you know, connecting with and just pushing that back out. Mm -hmm. It's not that complicated, right, actually. Right. It's very logical. Well, <laughs> to that to that point, where do you think retail, in the traditional sense, the retailers that come to mind when people talk about bankruptcies and the retail apocalypse, like where did they go wrong? I think they overcomplicate it, mm. quite frankly. Uh, we have a rule at Lively that if it feels too complicated, then it's probably not meant to be. Mm. So abandon ship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, as entrepreneurs in the consumer sector, we're here to create great products and get them in the hands of the right humans. And so you just need to connect with humans, just like you would with your friends and your family. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of um, companies and corporations speak to their customers as a business versus speaking to their customers as just humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, our best emails, our best marketing is when we're just being ourselves mm -hmm. and and uh, not obsessing over the grammar and, and the marketing campaign, but actually just sharing where the passion is coming from and what's triggering people to click. Mm -hmm. And you can do that because you also know who your customer is. Very well. In a way that, <laughs> you know, I, I think that it just wasn't the first thought for, for any of these retailer strategies. And so how do you build customer data into product strategy, into where you're going to open stores, into you know, how people want to be spoken to, how is that all informing the decisions that you're making? Yeah. Well, I feel like the the resources and the data has never been better, mm -hmm. right? Like literally I can change my homepage on my phone. I know exactly who's on my website, where they came from, 
what they're doing immediately. And so I think leveraging the gift of data um, is one that you just can't take for granted. So why does every state in the country get a lively shipment every single week, right? And why does this one state convert higher than the other? Digging to find, is that because of ambassadors? Is that because of some type of marketing activation? Why were more humans excited in Denver this week Mm -hmm. or this month or these Mm -hmm. last six months? Um, And spending the time to understand. Mm -hmm. I think ultimate curiosity is what's going to get you close to that customer journey right. um, and a relentless discipline to constantly listen and, and watch the trend lines. Because mm-hmm. it's not just about the data itself. It's what, do what's driving it. the data. Right. What's making that data come to fruition uh-huh. is human impact. Uh-huh. So how much time would you say is spent uh, on the Lively team thinking about like the intricacies of what the customer data says because like you said you don't want to complicate it and right. I imagine you can get kind of bogged down yeah. by you know trends and, and data and numbers and figures right. and so how do you make sure you're looking at it and forming it but your you know your, your head's still above the water right. you're doing what feels right it's it's uh it's following it just like you would follow your own health right it's like you know it sounds silly, but the data we're watching all day, every day, because we understand the heartbeat of our company. We mm-hmm. understand like, oh, this is a typical traffic trend line. Oh, it's spiking. Mm-hmm. Like your heart is racing, right? Yeah. So as a human, your heart races because you're excited by something. Your business, your traffic spikes because it's excited about something. Mm-hmm. It's thinking about your business as a human being. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly watching and nurturing it just like you are with your own self, mm-hmm. right? Um, I again, it comes back to the fact like, oh, I'm not gonna sit down and look at data for an hour. I'm watching it all day. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> it just becomes second nature. It's second nature, yeah. yeah. So, to the idea of keeping things not complicated, as you grow, how do you make sure that that stays true? Because yeah. I think, you know, these companies are, are massive, billion dollar brands that we've seen over the past 20 years. That then, you know, leads to red tape and a ton of hands in the kitchen and a lot of people involved in any sort of decision that's made. And you have now startup brands that don't have that anymore. You can be way more agile. You can test as you go. You don't have to, like, you know, make sure that something gets five weeks of approval before it goes live. (laughs) How do you grow the business and, and scale while still maintaining that? that approach to to work. Yeah. I mean, one, it's a relentless focus on your culture and your Mm -hmm. core core values, right? Mm -hmm. So that comes with hiring the right people. I always say surround yourself with good people and people that have the same um, vision for the brand and the company as you do. So that's step one is the people. But step two is the power of saying no, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When you're growing fast and when you're in a beautiful environment like New York City in a startup space, there's so many opportunities Mm -hmm. that come your way. And there's natural inclinations of, yeah, maybe I should go global. Yeah, maybe I should widen my distribution. Yes, maybe I should take a sale or a markdown or message my price at the top of the funnel because that will drive more traffic and growth. But if that doesn't ladder back up to your core values, you shouldn't do them. Mm -hmm. And perhaps some of those levers do make sense down the road. But if you think about the statistics, at five years, 60% of startups fail. At uh, 10 years, 90% of startups fail. Mm -hmm. So you want to hold your growth levers for when you actually need them. When you're growing at triple digits, do we need to go global right now? Or should we be focused on the United States with $13 billion in revenue in this category? Mm -hmm. I think we could stay focused for a minute, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's an interesting point, because especially we're looking at Allbirds is launching in China. You have companies that are expanding to the UK that start online and you have to imagine in some ways it's like, you know, did they 
look at the American market and think how long can this sustain the business and where, where we see it growing. Right. And so how, what do you think the timeline looks like then for Lively? Like how, do, when do you know when to pull those, those growth levers and, and what are some that, that come to mind um, in addition to global global reach. Yeah, so I'll show I'll share some of the levers that we pulled already, right? Mm -hmm. So when we first launched the company, we had amazing organizations uh, reach out to us to for distribution. So, um, you know, whether it be Saks or, or or Nordstrom, for example. <clears throat> We initially said no to Nordstrom when we first launched, even though we knew it would be the most exciting thing to be a part of such a beautiful retailer's experience. But we spent two years with them where they literally came and met with us almost every quarter to understand us mm -hmm. while we were still getting to know ourselves mm -hmm. in the market. And so once we had consistency in our KPIs and we had co cohesiveness in our brand message and our tone and our voice, Nordstrom came to us and said, Michelle, are you ready? And I said, I think so, mm -hmm. but can I design the space with you? Can I be a part of every facet of it and they said yes and that was the time to pull the lever because you had that proof too here's exactly. why you should say yes look yep. at these customers that i have exactly and i had the right partner and i had the right tools mm -hmm. and i think that we're going to see more and more of that obviously nordstrom has been a great example of a retailer responding to the popularity of, of digital brands and accommodating them in a new way but it seems like the power dynamic has leveled off exactly it's, you can build a brand for a few years build up customers and then say to Nordstrom here's why you know we want this this and this and it's not just like we'll do anything to get in the doors because that's we need you to grow what does that shift in power mean for for fashion and retail yeah I think it's I think it's now all of these channels are becoming partners, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's less power and more partnership where I think, you know, maybe even two years ago, the big retailers and the D to C's just felt like they were playing in different sandboxes. Right. And now we're realizing, actually, no, we uh, we should play on the play same playground together and mm -hmm. we could have a lot more fun if we did. Mm -hmm. We just need to figure out how to play together. Right. Um, and so it took some time and I think Nordstrom spent the time to figure out how to play together. Mm -hmm. Like no EDI compliant. I don't need to ship on hangers. Like I, I sell online. Mm -hmm. I don't have hangers. Right. <laughs> so that was part of it at, some, at one point where yeah. a brand had to do that? Oh my goodness. Yes. And mm -hmm. still does probably probably for some of the other big retailers, yeah. but things like that matter. <laughs> yeah. And I think that as we are, you know, talking to a lot of founders, it seems like there was an idea for, for some people, like we are responding to customer behavior. Who needs department stores? Who needs middlemen? Like there's this, this conversation around cutting out the middlemen. Like, so like that's kind of was one of the, you know, early tropes. days, yeah, yeah. like direct to consumer. So, what change do you think in terms of how direct-to-consumer brands have viewed retail partners and the role that they play in their strategy? Yeah, I think, you know, um, when Facebook was first in beta and everyone was acquiring customers at such, you know, low CPOs and CPAs, it seemed like the natural thing to go all in on D to C. Like, this is never going to get saturated right. or become less efficient. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> but, you know, with all shiny new toys, uh, they become less shiny. And mm. I think over time, people are realizing the efficiencies on just being D to C aren't there from a business perspective. And why well, because your customers like to activate in real life mm -hmm. <laughs> and they like to be together in physical spaces. Um, and so I think bringing those two worlds together, D to C's are realizing, well, I could open my own retail stores and that's a lot of capital and fixed um, 
resources, or I could partner with uh, bigger retailers that have created a beautiful experience, have a loyal following. Nordstrom has one of the highest loyalty programs out there. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of starts to make sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So for, for Lively, are there, when you look at other potential retail partners, what has to, you know, line up for you to say yes? Because yes. you can be choosier. That's the goal, at least. Yeah, it's back to the core values. Uh -huh. Surround yourself with good people. Uh -huh. And so people that are willing to invest the time to understand why we exist, what matters to us, um, and how we want to be presented and shared the rest will follow. You know, right now we're really satisfied with, with Nordstrom being a partner. Um, we've been testing some things with Madewell um, and we've really enjoyed working with them. Um, and then our, our own retail stores are really a focus. And back to that word focus, that seems like a lot already. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. You don't want to do any, everything at once. Nah. <laughs> so that's, that's interesting though, because when you think like, I'm sure you have to keep one hand, one one foot, one hand. <laughs> a little loud. Um, you have to keep a good focus and handle on the direct business to maintain that the special, uh, like, you know, what Nordstrom was interested in about Lively in the first place. If you kind of mm -hmm. go into Nordstrom and then think, wow, look at this, look at all this growth. Like, look at all these new customers. We are a Nordstrom brand now. If you kind of get lost in there, yeah. no matter who the retailer is. Yeah. You it starts to fade away back into the you know the traditional brand wholesale style mm -hmm. that has become you know not right. not ideal anymore. Yeah. So how do you make sure that you are expanding into retail, growing customers there, acquiring new customers, but still making sure that the direct business is growing so you sure. can do both? Yeah, I mean one hack is we don't put it into our plan. <laughs> so Nordstrom is gravy. Oh, okay. You know, we yeah. don't put it into you know the the plan financials. Mm. We plan to do our numbers without them. Mm. And so that that is a beta experience where we're not reliant on them and it's beautiful to have that that revenue, those sales and all of those things, but but if they ever for some reason the rules change and they went away, we would be okay. Mm -hmm. Controlling your own destiny is something that's always been top of mind for mm -hmm. us. Um, especially Especially for a woman who came from the the big retailers right, and right. knows what it's like to be on the other side, right? Um, always maintaining control of our own destiny so we can be focused on our core values is mm -hmm. at the utmost of, of mm -hmm. importance to us. So you're not looking like okay, we'll be sixty percent direct, forty percent wholesale. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will be ninety nine point nine percent lively, mm -hmm. and you know the rest will will be just a gift mm -hmm. and gravy right. for now. It's interesting. And, yeah, and you mentioned. Uh, the infrastructure that you had to figure out before, or at least so that you could focus on, you know, the ambassadorship, the community, the content. It's that's like the hard. You, you came from retail. That's really hard to get right. And I think there are a lot of brands out there right now that you know launched on Shopify. They start a Facebook campaign, but running a retail business for the long haul is is really really tricky. It can get messy. How do you make sure you're you're operating the business on the back end, how you would want to in the lively way, like making sure that the back end matches up to what the front end customer experience is like. Sure. You, you know, think, just rethinking that, that side of the business, even though it's, it's not customer facing, but it's pretty important in the long term. Oh, it's very important, <laughs> right? So you think about um, when women buy bras, the first thing we thought to ourselves when we were building our site with Shopify is one, mobile first, but two, if you think about the customer journey, for her to even decide to embark on um, 
buying bras is like, oh, I got to go buy bras. Oh, lively. That looks cool. Maybe I'll try them. Then they click onto a product they love and immediately we're like, well, we know women when they buy bras, they buy two to three at a time. So now we're going to tell them if you get two, it's 60. And if you get three, it's 80. And just start pushing them through the funnel in a way that, that feels easy and natural and logical. Um, so making sure your technology ladders up to how you are performing as a consumer. And we're, we're all consumers. So it's literally putting yourself in that seat um, is really important. So not approaching technology is like, ooh, technology. Like that seems really hard. More so, oh, human buying on my phone, clicking things, Mm -hmm. getting to checkout. Can the technology support it the way that I want it? Mm -hmm. Um, So when we approached the building of Lively and the technology and the fulfillment and all the infrastructures, we didn't ask, how is this done? Instead, we said, this is how we want it done. What are the resources to help us get it done? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think, a really important thing for entrepreneurship is not to say, what should I do? It's more so, this is what I want to do. How can I get get that done? Going backwards, Going backwards. And Shopify, I'll have to say, is one of the best resources for that, where you can literally sit down with Shopify and say, these are all of my goals. What are the apps? Who are the things? Help me get it done. Mm -hmm. And they take care of the how, so we can focus on the what. Right. Here's our (laughs) ideal experience. You know, get it. (laughs) Help us get it done. Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're just about out of time, but what would you say is you know, on your on your plate in terms of priorities for what's next for Lively, uh, do you consider it like off to the races, slow and steady growth? What do you think is, is the best approach for a, a modern consumer brand when it comes to how quickly you can grow and what's next? Yeah, yeah. Um, so hyper growth versus slow and steady, there's a there's a little bit of a middle ground. Mm. So we like to say that we're not hyper growth, um, but we are fast and steady, mm-hmm. I think is the best way to put it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I call it responsible growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's lex- next for Lively is we're just excited for our brand to be this um, reminder of what it's like for women not to just participate in life, but lead in what they love. Yeah. And so we're really focused on bringing women together to unlock that human uniqueness and that internal confidence. From a business perspective, what that means is for us to create products that allow more and more women to participate in our brand. Mm-hmm. So in 2016, we had 22 sizes. 2017, we had... 28 sizes and in 2019 we're launching through 44 triple d and continuing to responsibly create more of an audience um, for our products great awesome well really excited to see how that all comes together and thank you so much for joining me really really liked talking to you we hope you enjoyed the episode a special thanks to gianna capadona the producer of this podcast As a thank you for listening, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription to Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members access unlimited stories, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's $80 off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.